It's like the difference there, between saying I don't like Bruce Springsteen and Bruce Springsteen is absolute garbage. Like, no, no, I don't no, no, like no. Bruce Springsteen, well, but I don't think he's absolute garbage. I, I'm not saying that the Beatles are garbage. I'm just saying that all their songs have like very, very similar and very systematic chord progressions, and they all sound very similar. And a lot of their lyrics get like recycled in other songs. And I would argue that bands like the Be- uh, the Beach Boys, the Rolling Stones, Jay and the Americans. Uh-huh. I mean, Buddy Holly really was, I think, a lot. He was before the Beatles, and he, I mean, that was kind of a, a a boy band in a sense, but not you know, it's like boy band adjacent. Yeah. But I don't know. I just think that the Beatles are are totally overhyped because I... they were just popular. <laughs> I I'm just saying they're not like a hundred percent my thing, but uh, if you think that all their songs are simplistic, I highly recommend you listen to some of the stuff after they did LSD and visited with the Dalai Lama, cause that shit is out there, man. And it's like yeah, there's like I different mean, like, so- time signatures, and they're like changing time signatures. It's definitely it, it's when you started saying all of their songs are simple. I was like. No, not all. Not <laughs> no. All. You're right. That that was they the definitely wrong, evolved um, over time, and like I, yeah, the songs that I like by the Beatles are the songs that are later, right? And that's because mm. like Sergeant like, Pepper. When you no no not Sergeant Pepper. Well, that that's okay, but like really like getting into like um I don't know across the universe is an amazing song. Like it's like one of the best songs ever. Like I I like I just said I don't. They're not really my thing. Across the universe, amazing. Um. And not only that, those aren't very simple lyrics. Like, those are very interesting and meaningful, deep lyrics, you know. And even, like, I Am the Walrus is, like, a fucking weird song. It's out there, you know. Um, And Strawberry Fields. uh, And uh, Something in the Way. And (laughs) something. I think it's just called something. But, like, even that that song, like, just the way that it's structured and written, like, hearing it even by them, I'm like, okay – I've heard other versions of this song that I like more, but I'm not crazy about this one. You know, I, I would say that their early stuff. I mean, I, I just feel like you just you just wanted to come in guns a blazing on the Beatles, man. You just got well, done reading Catcher in the Rye, and you're like, we gotta no. we gotta get the rest of them. No, Somebody just, got John I Lennon. Think, Where's, Paul? Where's Paul? I definitely think <laughs> that like when Beatlemania was in full swing, <laughs> I just I think it was. He was like, I'm gonna murder the, the rest of yeah, them. Catcher in the Rye is the reason alive, that John Lennon he? is dead. For the for those of you that don't understand the reference, Catcher in the Rye is the book that the guy that killed John Lennon read before he killed John Lennon. And that's now right. everybody and knows that that's what it is. So go read Catcher in the Rye. Maybe you'll want to go kill a beetle. Who knows? Nah, uh, why I just, don't we, I just think that since we're early doing albums. this episode, why don't we form our own boy band? I already know what it's going to be called. It's going to be called Boys in Pants. It's going to be great. It's going to be a K-pop band. We're going to be a K-pop band, band now. I'm already in a boy band. We're Yeah. We're we're in a K-pop no, band now. It's a K-pop no, duo. No. We're a K-pop duo. I'm already in a boy band. We're in a K-pop duo now, though. Do you remember? You know, it's called Boys you know our in friend, Pants. You know our, our first song's Joey. gonna be called Peachy Keen. I'm come on, I'm riffing on this. Wow, no, why are you I'm not on board with band. K-pop band? Because I'm already in a then, boy band. Then you can just dance in the background of mine, and it'll be no. a duo. I'll just I'll do all I the cannot betray. You dance. We have a hit song and everything. What is your boy band? five boys make a band go on yeah it was founded in 2014 probably uh-huh we have one song great um we're on hiatus we've been on hiatus for a while okay uh two of the members we don't talk to anymore because they're shitty people uh-huh um one of them retired to have a kid and now it's just joey and i joey who you remember joey he used to play destiny with us oh yeah okay yeah uh, and joey's in the boy band yeah 
Yeah, and so I'll give you a little, a give you a little taste of our hit song with two people, with one person. But we used to have five. But here's a little – do you want a little taste of our hit single? You're going to get it anyways. Okay, you ready? It's – one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Five boys make a band. Five boys make a band. Five, five, five boys make a band. Five boys make a band. One, two, three, four, five. Five boys make a band. But it, it works better when the other four vocals are singing the other parts of the song. I've already that's queued my up part. the theme music. This is just playing right now. You know what? No, <laughs> cue up the K-pop theme music. Let's hit it. K-pop music here. I figured that's why I was quiet. It's gonna happen. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> Just kidding. The K-pop music start now. What is happening right now? <laughs> Are we starting or not? Here's, here's what's happening. Uh, <laughs> my my new goal with this podcast is to slowly drive you insane. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's roll the real theme music. Ba ba ba. Real theme music. <laughs> this is the fourth time. <laughs> ah. <laughs> okay. clap no all right i'll wait all right i'm ready <laughs> okay three two one perfect on time you snapped you didn't clap three two yeah, I'm one defiant. three two one no i'm being defiant you can't you ruined it three two one okay thank you on time every time welcome back i'm gonna put multiple to clips in multiple no. clips to mess you up no don't do it <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Unpop Podcast. I'm your captain. I believe the chef forgot who's the <laughs> captain of this goddamn vessel here. I'm at the helm's wheel. <laughs> this is my episode. There's a grease fire in the kitchen. This is not an Odie episode. I'm the captain, Kevin Miner. He, him, <laughs> with me as always is... Odie Matthews, the chef putting out the grease fire that is Kevin's Putting out your own grease them. fire. <laughs> no. <laughs> you're greasy and you're on fire. I'm using water to put out the grease fire. Don't worry. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great times. I love this. So, uh, <laughs> what are we talking about this week, Cody? Uh, Fast and Furious. No. All right. So, we open with number no. one. <laughs> I don't we never know why got the I keep doing that voice. It's just <laughs> We're not doing Fast and Furious ever again. We covered it enough. We covered it enough. It's we'll have done. to do at least one more episode. You get to cover Fast the Fast next part movie two. and then never again. That's it. Oh god. Can't wait. Anyway, this week we're talking all things 
K-pop. No. We're in a K-pop band, but we're going to talk all things. If you keep setting me up, I'm going to be defiant all podcasts. Why are you going to be defiant? Go. Because I just I feel defiant like I'm in a Defiant is part mood. of a young adult novel series. It no, that's diver yeah, divergent defiant divergent. Diver- divergent Hunger Games. Defiant, whatever. Uh we're to- we're talking about anime. Yes. Anime. Uh, anime. Specifically because there's a lot of uh, celebrities who are now in anime. Like, basically, all, all the yeah. people who grew up that got were, were able to have more access to anime, they're grown up now. Uh, a lot of them still consume anime. A lot of them actually herald it as being great. Uh, there's a... Uh, What's his name? Uh, his last name's Williams. One of the guys in the NBA was like 80. <laughs> I don't know where he got the numbers Kobe from. Bryant. But he was like, huh? Kobe Bryant? No, not Kobe Bryant. Uh, he was like, 80% of the NBA watches anime. I don't know where that number came from. But then every sports outlet was like, 80%? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what happens with sports culture. It's like you can throw out a figure. You know, you could be like, 80% of all pitches are foul balls. And like, everyone's like, 80%? And like, oh they just God. throw it out there. They're like, is it really? <laughs> like... Let's talk about no. it for the next 72 hours on ESPN because we ran out of shit to talk about in 1996 because 24-hour sports coverage doesn't actually make sense unless it's you just start boring. throwing opinions and bad facts out there. Anyway, uh, this episode's about anime. <laughs> yeah, and in uh, honor of the – you went to go see Demon Slayer over the weekend, right? I saw it literally last night. I saw it less so, than 12 hours ago. Now, this – is a deep cut for listeners, but probably the deepest cut. The first know, cut is the deepest. Like over twenty cut. episodes ago, towards cut. the beginning of this podcast, you made a comment that you've seen all of my Bad Omens T-shirts. Bad Omens being my favorite band, and for this occasion, uh-huh. I broke out the one Bad Omens shirt that you have not seen. Hooray! Because it, it's anime. It's an, it's, it's got, Nezuko. Is it Nezuko? It's Nezuko. It's Nezuko. Yeah, she's cute. Yeah. She talks now cool in the sh- in the anime. Anyway, all right. Uh, before we get into, yeah, I love that you're wearing a Nezuko shirt. I saw Demon Slayer last night. Me and a bunch of grown men cried in the theater. It was amazing. Uh, it's basically yeah. tradition at this point. Uh, me and a bunch of grown men go and watch this movie. Tanjiro is such a sweet boy and so like yeah. heartfelt and touching that we always end up crying. Uh, and we laughed our asses off too because you know Zenitsu and Osuke, all like the great. This probably sounds like gibberish to anybody who's never heard of anime. They're probably not even listening anymore. So if you're still here, <laughs> this. This is for Ow. you. <laughs> this yeah. one's for you, Just you little otaku, you. you little weeaboo, <laughs> whatever you are. Taco Bell booty. <laughs> you little Taco Bell booty otaku. Um, <laughs> all right, so I have prepared, in order to ah. flex my nerd muscles, a brief mm. history of anime. Would you like to speed run all of the anime history? Yes, Great. but I have one question for you first. What? Okay, you just because I want to say this now before we get into the episode because it's not really anime, but you okay. watched like four episodes of the new live action Avatar: the Last Airbender, right? I'm on episode four because I turned on episodes one and two while I was like finishing up some work, but you know I was watching them. Um, okay, and they were very good, so I watched episode three and it was really good. And so then I was like, mm. okay, now, now like the first two were good, the third one was really good. And you don't have a close connection with the original cartoon series, correct? Not really. I mean, I watched the first season of it mm-hmm. um, much later and at a friend's request. And, like, the, so first off, Avatar The Last Airbender is not anime. 
I don't care who no. classifies it as anime. It's not officially anime. If you want to call no. it anime, I'm not going to like debate anybody on it. Like you, if you, if that's your favorite anime, I don't care. Call it. That's fine. Um, but it's technically not. It, yeah, technically not. It's one of yeah. the many things. Like I would actually venture to say, even Pokemon, the animated series, is not anime. It's done in anime style, but it was produced by an American yeah. company, right? Oh, that's true. Um, yeah. yeah. So Avatar kind of falls under that same category for me of like Nickelodeon put it out, and when it first came out i was just the right age and i was enough i had watched enough anime that i was like this is like a knockoff anime i don't want to watch this um mm. and so i just kind of like at that age just kind of like rejected it which is fine like a, that was just how yeah. i felt at the time now that i've no, watched yeah. the live action i was texting you i was like i was like yeah. oh oh the primary struggle in this is about mm. china and tibet interesting <laughs> <laughs> like i was like oh i get this at a much deeper level now so the reason I ask you this, because we talked about this last episode, so I just wanted to like kind of put a nice little bow on the Avatar Lost Airbender series conversation. My barista, who I see pretty much every day when I go get coffee, also was a big fan of the cartoon. And okay. I, I just want to say this kind of like solidifies what my theory was, which is if you are a big fan of the cartoon and the cartoon has a special place in your heart and you really love the story and the storytelling and the characters and the character arcs and the character development, yep. and like that show is awesome and wonderful to you like it is to me you're not gonna like the live action because they have changed things which yeah. as we discussed is fine and if you've never seen the cartoon and you maybe saw the terrible m night shamalama shama m night shamala sh oh my god what's his name m night shamala that's it, m right? night shampoo that's what we'll call him that now. one <laughs> <laughs> new m night two in one shampoo <laughs> <laughs> it's six and one wash everything wash everything what <laughs> does your hair constantly find itself in a twist m night shampoo <laughs> all right um and maybe you watch that movie and you're like this is the weirdest shit in the world uh -huh. you're probably gonna like this series because the changes that they make if you don't know the original things that happened in the cartoon it doesn't really change the story in the live action to my understanding no no it's actually what? i just got to the because like I'm remembering the cartoon as I'm watching it, and I just got to the episode where Azula starts hatching her plan to go out and, like, you know, like, be better than her brother, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, actually, that's funny, because that's the one thing that I wanted to say of why, like, solidified for me that, like, I'm really glad this exists and people are enjoying it because that's awesome, but I, it'll be a while before I personally watch it because yeah. there is a scene, and you might have gotten to the episode, it's a flashback when Zuko is fighting his father, and he gets the scar. No, I'm not there yet. So that didn't happen in the show yet, but okay. I I have seen that in the original. So series. in the cartoon, yeah. Azula is smiling because in the cartoon and the comics that run after the cartoon, which I highly encourage people to read, um, she always kind of was jealous of Zuko for being loved by their mother, and also saw him more as competition for their father's like love and appreciation. Yes, not really love, but more of like. The father's, like, you know, authoritarian kind of, like, rule, like, being his right-hand man kind of thing. Yes. So, in the cartoon, she's smiling because she's happy that he's losing because she doesn't want him to, you know, be appreciated by his father. But in the live action, uh, she looks very like, oh, no, my brother. And that right there was enough for me to be like, nah. Uh, I, I love like that. that you're like your your biggest complaints about this are nitpicking things mm -hmm. like it's just yeah. these little tiny details yeah. 
that like don't change the overall nope. story arc. And that's what I just okay. said. They All really right. don't. Yep. But just, for me, you know, she's not smiling. <laughs> yeah, she should be smiling. All right. Well, she that's needs fine. To smile more. Well, I'm anyway. gonna watch it yes. for you. Uh, okay. So. So, uh, Avatar, actually pretty good. We could talk about it some other time. Uh, if you ever end up watching it, feel free to bring it on. I, if it I'm gets sure a season two? It, I'm sure it's going to. It's actually doing very well. So, um, if it does, then I will watch it right, cool. and uh, give my opinion. Season one's really good. I actually, I've I really liked a lot of the moments in it, and I liked how it translated. Once again, Netflix and the people working on these shows for Netflix, One Piece, Avatar Now, uh, they've done a very good job translating anime into live action because they don't lean too heavily into anime, but they definitely lean into the anime side of it. So, yeah. whereas I think the biggest failing point of a lot of anime adaptations is they try to ride the line between realistic and anime and fail horribly, right? Because that's a hard line to ride. Um, yeah. Th these shows are, are leaning more into, like, the silly anime, even the dialogue, and it, it makes it more original. It makes it feel more authentic. Um, all right, cool. Let's get into anime history. Let's do it. Odie, what do you know about the history of anime? Uh, oof. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I will. Didn't it, didn't it start? It started in Japan, right? Keep going. I want to say it started in the 70s. Wrong. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe wrong already. Two sentences in. <laughs> the 70s anime was already like being distributed in the United States and everything. So 60s? Um, no way. We're going back, back, baby. All right. The 20s? No. Uh, Close. Oh my god! You're getting close. Okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, the so let's go back to the first animated film ever shown in Japan. Can you guess what it was? No, you probably can't. <laughs> I was going to say I couldn't even get the year right. So it was 1912. Oh my god! What? The Titanic had sunk. <laughs> it was a and, cartoon about the Titanic. And there, no, and there no. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Japan was like was American tragedy <laughs> anime. <laughs> Yes, it was about the Titanic. <laughs> they produced no, they didn't have the manpower to produce an animated film about the Titanic that fast back then. You kidding me? Could have. You kidding me? People still had water wheels outside of their house in 1912, bro. <sighs> Grids of electricity had yet to be properly established in many cities. Horse and buggy was still the primary mode of transportation. <laughs> what are you talking? Anyway, all right, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the first film ever shown, the first recorded film ever shown in Japan. There's a couple dis disputes about this, but I'm not even going to get into them. It doesn't even matter. The first one that's really recorded as being shown is a French film called Les Exploits des Fufollets by Emile Cole, right? So this is 1912. Mm. I've actually watched this. You can look it up on YouTube. It's like a really weird, like, stick figure animation, and it's a white animated figure on a black screen. There's all this weird stuff happening. And I'm watching. I'm like, this is the weirdest fucking thing. And there's weird music playing. And, like, I'm like, I can only imagine going to a theater and seeing this in, like, 1912 and just having your mind blown. Like, <laughs> just like, just like, I can't believe they did all the – he went into the box and then it turned into a balloon and it went to the moon. Also, uh, there's a theme in early 1900s stuff about the moon. One – being a face, like actually having a face and being oh, yeah. a man. Two, being a dick. Like the moon is a dick. <laughs> In a lot the of these sucks. films, the moon is just a dick. The moon pops the balloon and then drops the guy back down to earth. I'm like, what the fuck is going? Anyway, so the the this is the first film like that's recorded. It loosely translates to the exploits of the wisp. 
Although if you okay. separate it, it's kind of like the exploits of the wildfire. I, but uh, exploits of the wisp kind of makes more sense. I don't know. Um, so that influences these three guys who are considered like the grandfathers of anime. Not the godfathers. Not like they made a thing and then other people made anime after that. But these were guys who were taking a Japanese animation style that was very popular on what were known as Magic Lanterns. Magic Lanterns, you might be familiar, like when you have, uh, it's almost like a stop motion animation that kind of slides around inside of a lantern and it gets lit up and you can see like the figure moving, you know, have you ever seen those? Mm -hmm. You spin it around yeah. on the inside and the light lights up the figure. Okay, cool. So uh, these guys, their names are uh, Oten Shinokawa, Junichi Koichi, and Setoro Kitayama. Uh, these dudes are considered the grandfathers of anime. They start working on projects and this kind of like, I'm going to drop it there. Cause like they're doing some stuff that starts to make it popular, popular enough that after being influenced by Disney animators in, uh, mm. leading up to the 1940s, the first feature length anime, like animated feature. And if you watch this, you'll kind of recognize it as being anime adjacent. Like the animation style is very similar to what we would recognize today as being anime. Um, it's called Momotoro Umi no Shinpei. Now, <laughs> do you know what that means, Odie? Of course not. Great. It, it means <laughs> it means sacred sailors, and it was a propaganda film. It's absolutely oh phenomenal, which if you can imagine in 1945 might not have been ally-friendly. Mm, <laughs> so, I can't imagine. So there's a propaganda film from 1945 called Momotoro. Umi no Shinpei. Uh, I have watched, I've like gone through a good portion of this. Also weird as hell. There's a bunch of Japanese kids singing in the background. They're singing songs about like seeing skylarks and not being able to see them. And then these guys who are sailors come back to their village. There's all this crazy shit going on in black and white. And it's very, very like Disney slash anime influence. You can actually see where hmm. uh, a young child at the time who eventually gets hired by Toei Animation, uh, Hayao Miyazaki, is influenced by this. Um, it's a ton of like anthropomorphic animals. Um and they're like one of them is like educating the kids on like he's like he's like i got to f i learned how to fly a plane and you could too <laughs> and also then i was ready for combat training and i got to duck behind a barrel with a gun and go ga, 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 ga. <laughs> like and you're like you're like oh god this is <laughs> hardcore propaganda <laughs> um just kind of getting kids pumped to be in the military you know you got to have a strong military yeah. oh, so that god, was the first yeah. animated feature shown in japan now we're going to jump ahead to the 1950s the late 50s there are two films that come out. One is called Magic Boy, and the other one is called Panda and the Magic Serpent. Kind of a theme there, but we don't have Magic. to do too, too much with that. Um, then there is 1963, a film comes out that is called, uh, I think it's called uh, Tetsuan Atomu, uh, which translates to The Mighty Atom. Do you have any guess what that would be called in America? It's a very popular anime. People love it. He's a boy and a superhero. Can you guess? Shazam? No, Astro Boy. Um, you know Astro Boy, right? Yeah, okay. but I'm pretty sure Shazam was created before Astro. Doesn't matter. It does. It's it's not in the anime history. I've I've oh, I've sure. done this. I've done the research. Oh, uh, so, uh, so Astro Boy is okay. It's called Mighty Adam in Japan. Now we, uh, before this was created happened to drop two atom bombs on Japan. So when it came over to yeah, America, yeah. it got conveniently renamed to Astro Boy instead of mm. reminding us mm. constantly that we had dropped two bombs mm -hmm. that were mm -hmm. atom bombs on Japan. 
and it checks out. <laughs> but also would give you an idea as to why the the show had a superhero called the Mighty Adam. <laughs> like anyway, maybe just a little bit. Was it little spelled A T O M? Yes, a <laughs> little <laughs> bit of dark history there. Uh, so then in 1963, same year, two films come out. Uh, one is called Doggy March, and the other one is called Gulliver's Travels Beyond the Moon. Now, Gulliver's Travels. These, yes. So Western tale brought over into Japan. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot you'll you'll notice a lot of stuff that g- kind of goes back and forth after that point. But those notably are two of the first Toei films worked on by Hayao Miyazaki, and you can actually tell oh. if you look at like the um. If you look at the posters for them, like the uh, the uh, advertisements, like you can see his signature animation style on it, like the big eyes, the anthropomorphic animals. Um, it, it yeah, big time. So 1963, those come out. So does uh, Astro Boy. Astro Boy ends up becoming hugely popular in the U.S. like later. Um, so then we have to jump ahead to the 1970s. Now at this point anime is kind of like it's not anime yet it's still recognized as japanese animation right so it's its own thing but it's not anime as we know it anime doesn't really become a term until like the 1980s and even then it kind of gets it gets bounced back and forth between anime and japanimation and then mm. somewhere in the 90s uh, I'll, I'll get to it but somewhere in the 90s it kind of solidifies and people start calling it anime so anime as a popular culture cultural term in the west really is only about 30 years old um but all of these things are anime so we jump ahead into the 1970s uh 1971 lupin the third gets its first animated uh episodes so lupin the third one of the longest running animes of all time. It goes on more hiatus than One Piece. So Lupin the Third technically one of technically the longest actually Astro Boy, I guess, would be the longest running anime, but Lupin the Third, one of the longest running animes of all time. Uh then nineteen seventy four, Mazinger Z comes out. Now this is uh a huge moment in anime because it's one of the first ones where the bad guy is overtly German. So they're kind of moving mm. away from that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so before we had we had the the blessed sailors, right? That were <laughs> that were teaching kids how to join the military so they could go fight for a good cause. Uh, and we've moved now about thirty years uh, displaced from that. We have German bad guys. Uh, the perspective has kind of shifted po- in popular culture, um, and I think that's a big moment. It's also one of the first big like mecha revolving animes uh this is actually before gundam comes out uh gundam doesn't come out till 1979 and it was heavily influenced by mazinger z uh so mobile suit gundam comes out first comes out in 1979 uh at this point anime has only really ventured into slightly fantastical realms a little bit of sci-fi uh there is a style that's recognized in anime still prevalent and popular today called moe moe anime tends to focus on um like just deep emotions typically the development of a romantic relationship you're probably like fruits basket things like that right um and a lot of people who are big fans of anime would recognize that there's there's a lot of them uh what orange was a really big one um in like 2016 i want to say but uh 1982 macross comes out so we've got 
some more robots, some jets, you know, some action. So anime is now like it's in the action. It's in the political thriller realm. It's in the sci-fi realm. Robotech debuts in 1985. Uh, and Robotech was actually highly influenced by 1979's concurrent release with Mobile Suit Gundam, uh, which was called Space Battleship Yamamoto. Uh, i Yeah. That was like, I mean, so Mobile Suit Gundam wasn't like like it influenced things but so space battleship yamamoto was considered a space opera so you're when robotech comes out it kind of takes both of those elements it's like hey we want this space opera we also want this action like we want to really sell the audience on this and at this point a thing has developed in japan that's called otaku subculture now otaku i think a lot of people from the way that it gets used uh, popularly in modern culture would recognize it as like someone who's kind of like a nerd. They're shut in. They only love anime. They don't like other things. That is not what it is. Otaku is just someone who has an interest in anime. It's like, it, it's like if you call, if you're like, Oh, that guy's, you know, he's punk rock. Cause he likes punk music, but like also he's likes a Potterhead. Yeah. Cause he loves Harry Potter. Yeah. But like, yeah. you know, so oh, if you're an otaku, you just like anime. That's it. You don't have to be like, watching it all the time and it doesn't have to be the only thing you watch and you don't have to be a shut in you don't have to be a huge nerd you don't have to be introverted and otaku uh it can be all of those things yes but it can also just be someone who really likes anime like i'm an otaku um because you're a big fat nerd big fat nerd uh so then what ends up coming out of that moving forward uh between 1982 and 1985 there are like these really big uh moments so nausicaa comes out which is like one of the most influential animes of all time it semi influences like the isekai genre that's hugely popular now but i can't wait to share with you what the actual like what the first proper isekai in the western world is oh god you're gonna, no you're gonna love it um but the formation of studio ghibli is in this time as well mm. so between 1982 and 1985 and then uh, we move into the later 80s. The later 80s is where you start seeing really big moments for anime. So 1988, uh, one of the most famous anime movies of all time comes out. Can you guess what it is? Akira. Yes, 100%. It's also, I think it's the last completely hand-drawn anime of its time. I can believe yeah. that. Uh, I'm pretty sure. But so Akira comes out and Akira, Akira. and it comes out in Japan and it fucking bombs. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. fails hard. Like, we're talking Scarface fail, right? Remember Scarface originally came out and it bombed. Like, yeah, everyone hated it. Crazy. Critics, like, trashed it. It comes over to America. We eat it up. <laughs> we, like, it becomes <laughs> no, no, hugely no, no. popular. Um, and then in 1989, uh, a very popular film, some people's favorite anime film, Kiki's Delivery Service from Studio Ghibli comes out. I was gonna to mm. great critical acclaim. So we've got one bomb that ends up becoming like a subculture thing, and we have one really popular one from Studio Ghibli in 1989. Let's jump ahead to the 90s. So in the 90s, uh, 1995, Ghost in the ice, Shell ice, comes baby. out, oh, and oh. the Evangelion series starts. So Evangelion continuing the giant robot theme, 
Ghost in the Shell, delving more into what's now known as Sinan, which is, uh, so there's Shonen, which is like younger people. So like your, you know, Naruto, One Piece, Bleach, My Hero. Yeah, that's known as Shonen. And then Sinan is like older, like older, like more mature. So young adult, adult concepts. Ghost in the Shell is very adult concepts. It's like, hey, what if what if robots have sentience and we have to regard them as actual beings, you know, like yeah. big concepts. Um, but ghost in the shell comes out to great critical acclaim. Uh, so Good does anime. the Ava series. People love them. Uh, and then this is also the year that the sci-fi channel, the American network uh, at this time, not spelled S Y F Y just spelled. Yeah. It's <laughs> called the sci-fi network. I believe at this time it's S it's S C I dash F I. Yes. It used to be, I believe. But they start yeah. writing. They start uh, doing a block called the, the Japanimation block. So 1995. And this is, this is around the time that I'm first watching anime. So like 1994, 1995 is my first introduction to anime. And it's through shows like Robotech. And then it's through the Japanimation block. So I got to watch things like Vampire Hunter D, Ghost in the Shell, Akira, um tank police uh <laughs> so many like so many good anime that are like so weird and out there uh yeah and like, i haven't heard tank police in so dude, long tank police was <laughs> i remember the concept alone was enough to make me watch it but i remember even as a kid watching it being like you know this isn't all just tanks <laughs> and some <laughs> of it's quite boring <laughs> like because there's a lot of political intrigue in it you know yeah so like I would be like watching. I'm like, man, when are these tanks coming back? These police have tanks. This is the whole point, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, so so that that comes out in 1995 on the Sci-Fi Channel, and it anime starts becoming more popular. This is where it finally starts showing up uh, on shelves a little more in the U.S. And then in 1997, anime really cements its place with the most expensive film to date. Can you guess what it is? In the 90s? 1997. I'll give you a hint. It's a Studio Ghibli film. Uh, Hang on. Let me think for a second. Go back in my... Is it Princess Mononoke? Hell yeah, it is. Princess oh! Mononoke comes out. It's, once again, great critical acclaim. Miyazaki has a huge following. Uh, Studio Ghibli was actually formed in the 80s. So, like, they're, they're, they've been doing their own thing for about 10 years at this point. Princess Mononoke was a huge moment. And that is my favorite Studio Ghibli film. The same year, not as much popularity, but hugely popular and referenced often in popular media today by some of our favorite directors, Satoshi Kon's Perfect Blue comes out. Now, oh. you'll if you look up Perfect Blue and like cinema influence, you'll see multiple shots in movies from some of your favorite directors today that are like complete like takes on perfect blue shots like it's amazing like i can't i can't stress enough how much this actually influenced cinema not just anime mm. right huge interesting yeah you I've, I've i had a feeling you would probably like that part um now i kind of glossed over this but it's because i wanted to jump back to it and say something that led up toward this point as well and it leads into the next part this entire time, there is a popular subculture of anime building, and it centers around one specific girl who is uh, is is fighting evil by moonlight. <laughs> Hello Kitty. No. <laughs> it's Sailor Moon, baby. <laughs> so yeah. Sailor Moon comes out, and it's like the magical girl anime, right? And magical girl is yeah. its whole subgenre now. Sailor Moon's building popularity through the early 90s. It was for... <laughs> 
I was a young boy, and it was four girls, so I was not into it. But <laughs> very Although popular. Some young boys were, huh? For the wrong reason, some young boys were into. Eh, it. whatever. But yeah. I yeah. I remember uh, what was it? Tuxedo Mask. <laughs> like her her like boyfriend, Tuxedo Mask. He was like my favorite. <laughs> I was like hmm. any episode he was in, I was like, oh, I like this episode, <laughs> and then he would be out. Also, you know, like it was just it was a cool show to have on TV at the time, but. Sailor Moon doesn't really start gaining popularity until the 2000s. So that's why I kind of like went back. I'm bringing this up to 1997 again. 97 is when the first animated series that really introduces the West to Isekai comes out. Mm. Can you guess what it is? Okay. Um, Early 2000s? Nope. 1997. And mm, so 1997... Princess Mononoke comes out. Yeah. The Ava, uh, the perfect blue starts. Uh, the Ava series is just about to wrap up. Um, we've we've got way more anime in our culture. It's actually like on the shelves at your local like record store wherever you're getting movies at, right? Um, and then a a series comes out that is a competitor for a popular uh, game of the time, and it comes out primarily as a series first. Uh, well, not first, but like. Uh, yeah, actually, it, it actually comes at, we talked about this oh, last time. Pokemon. No, Digimon. Uh, ah, <laughs> Digimon ah. is the first popularized isekai in American culture. Uh, God damn it. however, there was one that came out before this. And Pokemon. it's, we, we don't think of it as an isekai, but it's a goddamn isekai. And when I read it, cause I was looking up the history of isekai, cause I'm like, is that the first? It's not. The first isekai is a very popular, it, it's an American man in a fantasy world and he has to rescue a princess can you guess what the first isekai is oh my god yeah it's fucking super mario yes (laughs) that makes total sense super mario is the first isekai the bob hoskins movie from the 90s right so (laughs) that's hilarious when you think about it when you really think about that that is actually hilarious because it is created by japan and you wouldn't think about it Like, you wouldn't, like, your mind doesn't go there first, but that's what it is. He gets sucked into another world. He's just a plumber, and he's got to defeat a dragon turtle thing. (laughs) Like, it's it's an isekai. Anyway. Oh, my God. It really is. Yes. He has a dinosaur as a helper. His brother is there. You've got a little toad man. You've got, oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Isn't that crazy? That is wild. When I was looking this up this week, I was like, oh, that's fucking that's rad. <laughs> like that's Super awesome. Mario's the first Isekai. There are other so if you if you go back further, Isekai has already been popularized. There was um I forget what it's called, like the something of uh Dunbine, uh, which did have an animated series, but it didn't reach any form of notoriety. So I would say the first popular Western like Isekai, uh apart from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, is uh, Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> but, That's true. Um, so Digimon comes out. Pokemon, as we know from our previous episode, comes out after uh, yeah. <laughs> in the U.S. Which, but not by much, No, though. not by much. Uh, Pokemon's almost uh, – it's about three-quarters of a year off. But Digimon comes yeah. out first, and it's Isekai. It's, it's actually I, – I mean, a lot of – 
people who are now have been at, like otakus who have, who have been fans of anime their entire life digimon you could actually look back and I, I would say a lot of them would go yeah that's actually one of the first anime i ever got into it was these cool kids they got sucked into yeah. another world of a video game and they had to save it you know they all had these monsters that evolved into weird uh people things Very weird. <laughs> eventually <laughs> but um yeah mm. the same year that these come out so does trigun and so does a very popular anime and one of my favorites of all time, Cowboy Bebop. Ah, uh, yeah. So, and Toonami also starts in 1997. Toonami. Now, Toonami does not have the anime following that we know yet. Toonami, the closest thing that they're showing to anime at this time uh, are two shows. One of them, not actually anime because it's produced in the West, Thundercats. And the other mm. one, not actually anime because it's produced in the West, but very similar to a popular uh, style of Japanese medium where there's a team of super fighters in suits that have a giant robot that fight things, Voltron. So, so mm. Thundercats and Voltron are on the original Toonami block in 1997. I loved Voltron. Now, I loved right? Voltron as a kid. So, and oh that's 1997. God. Now, Toonami also starts showing Robotech, Macross, Gundam, like these things Ugh, start Gundam. coming out around the same time, right? I'm I'm about nine, ten when Gundam, Macross, Robotech start popping up, right? Wait, you mentioned Gundam real quick. Yeah. I want to because I I'm, I was already looking this up, but yeah, hit a it. director that you and I both like is going to be doing a Gundam live action movie. Hell yeah! Um, well, you might not like him. Oh, that's not that's not my thought. Anyway, doesn't matter. His name is Jordan um, Vaught Roberts. Okay. And people would definitely know him. Uh, his most famous movie is Kong Skull Island. But to tie this into you and I yep. a little bit, he has directed and helped with the creation of some Destiny 2 mm. like cutscenes mm -hmm. for some of the stories. But um, his whole thing of why, like, and if you watch Kong Skull Island, he's a huge anime fan. He's a huge, like, yep. 90s. He grew up with a lot of it. So the fact that kind of like we talked about last week, giving a property like Gundam to somebody who already has proven they can do scale with Kong Skull Island, but also loves the source material. Yes. And for me, uh, in preparation for this episode, I was trying to think of like what my favorite anime really would be. And my, my initial thought was like, oh, well, like JJK or like My Hero. And I'm like, well, those are modern. I was like, what really is my favorite anime? And it is no question that Gundam is what, got me into anime and is why I love anime. Yes. And so knowing that a live action Gundam movie is coming from a director of Kong Skull Island is the best movie in the monster verse. Uh -huh. That's a hot take. Um, no, I'm super, super fucking excited because in addition to that, uh, the director of uh, Andy Machete, who did it chapter one, it chapter two, um, ignore the flash movie because it's bad. Um, yes. He's also doing the Batman movie for DC. He has been working on for Warner Brothers a live action Attack on Titan, working directly with the creator of Attack on Titan because Eddie Machete has come out and been like, yeah, it's like my favorite anime, my favorite manga of all time. Yes. So it's kind of cool that we're getting two like westernized directors because I mean neither of them are. I don't think either of them are technically like American American, but like. The fact that they're giving properties of like you know because they were at the right age in the '90s when this when what you're talking about came out. Yes, um, it's just so cool that like hopefully this won't be like a M Night Shyamalan Avatar or like a Ghost in the Shell kind of situation. Hopefully this will actually be good. But yes. live action Gundam, I will 
ah, can't wait. Oh, Anyways, same. Sorry. All right, cool. So all of this kind of starts building up, and uh, eventually the first real action anime from um, from Japanese animation culture is brought into uh, is brought into um, Toonami, right? So Toonami on Cartoon Network. And it had been on TV before, but it had been on a very early time slot in the morning, I think on Fox Kids, because I remember watching a couple episodes when I was like even younger than when Toonami was out. Um, but they finally, uh, Toonami brings on Dragon Ball. Mm. And that totally changes anime culture like forever. Um, yeah. Huge shift Dragon in Ball. anime culture at that point. Uh, Dragon Ball Z is what I think a lot of people who are popularized, who are celebrities, uh, reference as like one of their introductory animes. Uh, Michael B. Jordan, uh, a lot yeah. of WW current like WWE wrestlers, a lot of athletes will reference Dragon Ball Z as like their introduction to anime and how much they loved it. And I was actually a funny little aside, like. So I do Muay Thai, Judo, Jiu-Jitsu. A lot of the people that go figure, a lot of the people that do this stuff were really into action anime, especially Dragon Ball Z at the time, right? So like we're all kind of like we're all kind of into that. And then Baki, which has a new series, Baki Hanma, uh, was originally called Baki the Grappler, which is grappling is what uh, Jiu-Jitsu is loosely referred to in a lot of cultures. So Toonami brings on Dragon Ball Z. Toonami really starts, I think it was in their second iteration when they had Tom version 2.0. They're really leaning into anime and they start airing other shows that become popular in the 2000s. Now, the 2000s, I'm just going to go through this list because it, it at this point, anime kind of explodes. Like, this is like the tipping point and Western culture really welcomes it in. And there are some really big developments. But some of the notable ones that come out in the early 2000s Tom era of Toonami on Cartoon Network, and especially when they start showing stuff late night as well. Yu-Gi-Oh!, Yu Yu Hakusho, uh, Inuyasha, Naruto, Full Metal Alchemist, Gurren Lagann, Samurai Champloo, like all of like these big animes that people know and love and reference over and over again and cosplay at conventions. Anime is starting to like really build popularity. Now, 2006 through the present, is where I think we can lump a lot of modern anime together. And I'm glad yeah. that we got up to this point because 2006 is when uh, Crunchyroll comes out. So, yeah. uh, well, first, 1994, Funimation Productions is formed. Now, Funimation eventually becomes its own streaming service because they've been producing anime long enough that they have their own catalog and they can eventually start streaming things. But Crunchyroll comes out in 2006. Uh, Crunchyroll... Uh, you can start streaming anime. There's really great titles on there, uh, and they have a pretty good catalog. In 2017, and I know there's a ton that happens in between now and then, yeah. but like these are the two really big moments that lead up to this year, and I think why it's a really good thing that we're doing this episode now. Uh, in 2017, Sony acquires Funimation, and oh. Funimation keeps streaming. The streaming service is still there, but uh, in 2022... Sony also has then acquired Crunchyroll and starts and basically goes off of who has more users at the time. And the biggest streaming service at the time was Crunchyroll. So Sony goes, hey, Funimation, we're going to start bringing your entire catalog over to Crunchyroll. And I remember when this announcement was made in 2022. So like the whole Funimation catalog is coming over to Crunchyroll, but it's because Sony owns both of them. 
And in mm. 2024, Funimation will stop being a streaming service because everything will have moved over to Crunchyroll. You know, so that, okay. We were just talking about Crunchyroll on our great uh, cancellation journey of streaming services. Mm -hmm. And I did not know that Sony bought Crunchyroll. But now knowing that information, yeah. it makes total sense that Crunchyroll... So the biggest complaint that I've seen in the anime sphere yep. is that Crunchyroll is trying to monopolize the market by basically shutting down other streaming services. Yeah. But if it makes sense that, A, Sony's behind it because Sony is fucking terrible, as we know. Yeah. But two, knowing that Sony owned both Funimation and Crunchyroll makes total sense as to why Funimation is ceasing to exist. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, and, you know, but the thing that really sucked about it, and I think something that a lot of people overlook, is there was a time around, like, 2016, 2017, where in order to watch every anime you wanted to watch, you had to have a subscription to Crunchyroll, then Funimation, then High Dive, which mm. was just a pain in the ass. Like, it's the earliest example I have of, like, I'm not going to purchase all these subscriptions just to watch like the shows that I want to watch, I'll just download them. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Like I, I, no one wants to go through that hassle. So Sony, I, I get that. Like some people are really attached to Funimation and like for no reason other than they like Funimation and have just chosen. That's the side that they've picked are like, it sucks that they're being canceled and crunchy rolls continuing. It's all the same thing. Like all of them started up with the same idea. They're like, Hey, we're going to be the anime streaming service. Yeah. One of them has to win. And it just turns out that a bigger company stepped in and said, okay, uh, we're going to pick by who has the most subscribers and it's you <laughs> like, that's it. Like that's all that happened there. Um, but in that time, and especially over the past 10 years, you've started seeing like big celebrities start to endorse anime publicly. Um, like I said, NBA players, um, you know, you've got Cassius March, who's also into uh, Magic the Gathering and like the trading card game sphere. He's promoting it. You got Post Malone, of course. Everybody's yeah, gonna say Post. <laughs> you got, you, love you got love Post. Uh, but you know, um, Bad Omens. Bad, they like anime. Yep, bad That's Omens. Why they partnered with well, a lot of people's uh, favorite metal bands. You know, just things like that. Um, yeah, yeah. So and and it keeps coming up more and more, and it's because the medium like. Like I said, in the early 2000s, it kind of explodes. And it's because there's enough that can be brought over easily. And if you look at the actual timeline, the only thing that was ever holding anime back from being a proper subculture was distribution. So it was technology and distribution. Because we couldn't get it here fast enough, and we couldn't share it like quickly enough and with enough promotion. So like it was hard to gauge how popular it was going to be until like i would say mid 90s to early 2000s when it really started becoming its own thing and like kids like our yeah. age and you know teenagers into adults too but like kids like who were like eight nine like us um started really having the ability to just consume it at at our leisure yeah and you know what you you mentioned a good point about like availability because i'm i'm thinking and i'm like okay outside of anime specific streaming services mm -hmm. like Funimation prior to them being dissolved into Crunchyroll and Crunchyroll, how many animes that aren't mainstream and popular are available on other streaming sites? And I know Attack on Titan is on Netflix, but that's a huge, more modern, popular yeah. anime. Uh, My Hero is on Hulu. Again, mm -hmm. modern, popular. Um, Jujutsu Kaisen, I know it was on HBO Max for a little bit. 
but like yes. well that's those because three- max max had a deal with so part of what's been happening with country roll is max had a deal with sony to have like they were they were testing out how the Crunchyroll catalog did on Max and oh. what's happened through this entire process because when Sony acquired Crunchyroll uh that was around the same time that Crunchyroll also launched Verve and that makes mm. sense cuz they had an influx of cash right so they're yeah. like all right we're going to launch Verve and Verve had all these other streaming services so like Critical Role was on that um uh, Verve yeah. didn't do well because the other big companies would come in and offer some of these other things that were on Verve uh more money so like it was really a battle of like who could get more money where at any time right but then makes total sense yeah but then so then sony's like all right well let's see how well we do in a deal with max and it didn't do that well it turns out the people who are watching max were mainly watching for like hbo stuff right so like max makes sense and then discovery buys hbo and it's a whole fucking thing over there sony's doing its own thing and crunchyroll has this entire time remained one of the primary streaming services for anime yeah and i mean that that is all to say that besides like super popular super mainstream anime yeah that you know has exploded naruto like, you know, I hear, yeah yeah they're like if i wanted to watch uh an anime that i really like called death parade which is just one season oh, i love death parade yeah it's fucking fantastic yeah, it's great. one of my favorites uh, that's going to be only on Crunchyroll because, yes, it's a good anime, but it's not popular enough that it's going to be like Netflix is going to be like, well, we'll pay you money to have it on Netflix. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like going on what you're saying is that unless it's a really, really popular modern or even really popular older anime, yes. it's not going to be available anywhere except for Crunchyroll because yes, that's just unfortunately, you know, I mean, just – I get, unfortunately or unfortunately i don't know however you want to it's a little bit of both i mean yeah, it's the other another thing to note is hulu actually did a real solid by making a deal with funimation in the mid 2000s uh they had a deal with funimation and that's where a lot of people got exposed to uh attack on titan for the first time uh mm. around like 2013 ish right because yeah, first season was, uh, not yeah. but not just that um sword art online was on mm. Hulu because it's a Funimation show, right? There's a yeah. uh, Psychopaths, which is a funny Funimation show, Fucking that was on Psychopaths. Hulu, right? So a yeah. lot of these things were on Hulu and not Crunchyroll at that time. Um, I my personal experience, one thing that I really want to point out. So in 2016, so I I was really into anime as a kid. When I got into college, I didn't get to watch it that much, but there were two shows notably that caught my eye in college around like 2007, 2008. Death Note and Code Geass were on, and that drew me back into the anime sphere around that time. So I had those two shows. And then here and there over the next few years, there would be like one or two that I really enjoyed. But those two really stuck out. And then like uh, 2013 was probably the next time that I got into anime, and it was Attack on Titan. And I was like, I've never seen anything like this. this is amazing. Everybody has to see, you know, like I was like, you guys have to watch Attack on Titan. It's crazy. Um, yeah. But like, uh, so 2013 i get back into it and then you know attack on titan obviously like kind of falls off for production reasons for a little while and then yeah and then in that time i'm out in california in 2016 and one of the and i'm i was in a place where like there was not a lot of media so one of the things that we would do is we would download podcasts for the week um and my favorite podcast to listen to every single week like i really looked forward to it was ign anime club um which was 
amazing. And I love that IGN ventured into that space and gave some of the people who worked for them, uh, like Raina Scully, um, Miranda, I can't remember her last name right now, but uh, like a lot of really cool people at IGN got the opportunity to talk about anime on a weekly basis and in a very succinct way. So it was a podcast about anime and that was, I didn't have anywhere to watch it. So I was listening to these other people talk about it at the time and really looking forward to the next time I got to watch it. So anytime I went home or anytime like, and then eventually when I got home, I started watching a ton of anime because I had all these people who had like given me information on shows that I would like. And not only that, they had an IGN anime fan club on Facebook. Like this is back when Facebook groups are first starting. And so I hopped into that and I've made some lifelong friends. Like I have some really great friends in the anime space. That's actually where Byron Bennett and I met was in the IGN anime fan club. Yes. In like 2017. Dude. I'm not kidding. So Byron, uh, my buddy Mando, my buddy Tim, like a lot of really cool people that I've known over the years, I've known through the IGN IGN Anime Mm -hmm. Fan Club, which then got way too big because groups started getting big on Facebook and like having like 20, like, you know, 10,000, 20,000 people. And it was too much for anybody to keep up with. So uh, there was a smaller group that kind of broke off from that and formed what was called uh, the Anime Pub Club. And we had that off to the side. And that was really cool. Um, I'm really grateful for those people because they introduced me to some of my favorite anime over the years. Uh, But I wanted to make sure that we covered the history of anime, how it became popular, why it became popular. I do want to mention we referenced that like Perfect Blue gets referenced in movies, specifically the ones that I was thinking of. uh, Darren Aronofsky's um, Requiem for a Dream references it. Yep. Um, Inception. Uh, everything yep. everywhere all at once uh, yep. really like anything that kind of ventu- ventures into the psychological realm um, Satoshi Kon also made Paranoia Agent which is heralded as one of the best like psychological thriller animes of all time uh, and that gets referenced a lot as well anime culture now that it's in pop- popular culture is only going to be referenced more in different scenes and you know when you recognize it it's a really beautiful thing I agree yeah. I love when I see I mean, I think references just across the board, if they're done right, can be beautiful. Yeah. And I do like I do like when you see where inspiration came from. Yeah. It's nice. Oh, dude, it's great. Um but so like you know, going off of that and going into that realm of popular culture, even Michael B. Jordan, um, in the Creed movies has said that he was referencing action anime to try and mimic some of the shots and angles to create some of the tension that anime has that live action doesn't. And, you know, you and I've said before, one of my favorite things to say when I'm watching a live action thing, I almost texted you this when I was watching avatar, I almost texted, this should have been an anime. (laughs) Oh my God. Of course. Hey, guess what? (laughs) It It kind of is is. kind of. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) No, I was watching. I was like, wow, that would be so much better if it was a high budget anime. (laughs) I would have face palmed in real life if I had seen that text. I would have just been like, "Are you kidding me, Kevin?" <laughs> I, I, the only reason I didn't send that was because I, I thought that you would be like, "Did Kevin, did Kevin have a stroke? Did he forget this was animated <laughs> to begin with?" <laughs> but um, but yeah, so like animes, it's really cemented its place. Um, I think it's an amazing thing. I genuinely going through those different spurts of like loving it as a kid, you know, really loving Dragon Ball Z, talking about it with my friends on the playground and then having a break from it and then having like some friends in college where we all kind of knew like 
you know, Code Geass and Death Note and then having like some friends as an adult who were like, oh, my God, here's my favorites. Here's and like all sharing them and going through these different journeys. Um, I think that's just been a really awesome thing that's made it something I've enjoyed in life. And like even if I like grew out of quote unquote grew out of it tomorrow, you know, or, or like maybe maybe I hit a point where like. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, I used to love that. You know, like, that's fine. I still have a bunch of amazing memories of having an experiences with experiences with anime as an adult. Um, one other thing I did want to point out, uh, Kimi no Nawa, uh, which is the anime known as Your Name. Are you familiar with this one? Mm. That came out in... Never seen it, but I've heard so of it. So it came out in 2017. Uh, yes, I want to say 2017. 2017 or 2018. But... um. It actually uh, beat out a lot of American movies in the box office internationally that year. Uh, and that yeah. was a huge moment for anime as well because it was the first time a non-studio Ghibli film did that well. And since then, we've only seen better and better as uh, movies like uh, Bungo Stray Dogs, Dead Apple, obviously Demon Slayer, the My Hero movie, like when they start hitting American cinemas, even though they're getting limited releases, they're still getting record turnouts in theaters because people are paying to watch them, you know, including, yeah. you know, me going to Demon Slayer last night at the theaters with a bunch of friends, you know, like it's, it's a great yeah. time to watch anime and you really don't get an opportunity over here to watch it in theaters that often, which makes it that much more mm -hmm. special. You know, I saw, I saw all three, I think all three of the My Hero movies in theaters. I know I saw at least two of them. Yep. I saw the JJK Year Zero uh, movie in theaters. I mm -hmm. saw the last Demon Slayer one in theaters. I will not be going to see this one because I'm behind on Demon Slayer, which oh. I'm upset about. It's not but, a movie, um, though. It's just the last episode of last season and the first episode of the new season. Yeah. It's not I, an see, actual movie. It's just like a cinematic event. I need to finish last season. I haven't finished the Sword Village arc yet. But anyway. It's good. Um. Uh, and we saw we saw another anime movie and we've seen a couple like yeah. we we do try to go um whenever we can and it's something that we're like kind of interested in seeing in theaters because i will say one of my favorite movie experiences and you know what maybe one of these days we should do an episode and maybe i think it'd be really fun to do an episode of like favorite movie experiences in theaters yeah. because i have a a lot but one of my going to be doing maybe <laughs> Maybe top five. Yeah. Dune part two. <laughs> Dune two. Um, <laughs> Dune two. Uh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> One of my favorite, probably top five experiences is um, it's my hero. And it's the, um, it's two, it's, uh, it's Heroes Rising. Yeah. I was and it's say, when the they go Rising to the Rising one, the second one. When they go to the island and small spoilers, but at the end of it, Bakugo and Deku end up sharing, uh, one for all. They have the to power. use it together. And I remember, for one, I saw this movie incredibly stoned. I had, yeah. I took like four gummies. I was on the verge of greening out. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the final fight just being, and still, I think it is one of my favorite anime fight sequences because it is just, it is that level of anime that we have talked about before where it's like, it's so fucking out there mm -hmm. it's so over the top it's so extreme it's so hyper realistic that for one you should never attempt it in live action because you'll never reach it but two it's just beautiful mm -hmm. on 
every fucking level it is just a i'm getting goosebumps yeah. it's beautiful i love it i'm gonna watch that movie today what well, uh, yeah <laughs> I'm gonna watch that one, movie one other thing i wanted to make sure that i covered uh in because really the whole point of this is that like anime I, I think a lot of people because it's become so popular in the past 10 years and gets referenced more i mean even you even have like megan the stallion saying like i love anime <laughs> yeah. like i'll watch anime with anybody you know like that was that was a cool interview where she was like yeah i love anime like that was cool yeah. because it made people who maybe had like shoved it off to the side go oh well if she likes it maybe i'll check it out right even like you know you have like doja cat uh drake's referenced it um a, a lot of the sports stars seems to seem to reference shonen animes and then like some some of the more creative artists are getting like deeper into anime culture and getting into like psychopaths and stuff like that and then you I have our Psychopaths. you know visual directors and directors who are referencing anime i love psychopaths too um but oh, yeah. uh <laughs> But yeah, so like not only is there that, but there also has been a huge development in music based off anime over the past 30 years. Now, like the introduction, obviously K-pop and J-pop have become more popular in the US, but a lot yeah. of people's introduction to K-pop and J-pop came through anime theme songs. Um, I agree. It came through the songs that were playing, like even like going back to like 90s style J-pop, like Sailor Moon is a very J-pop, like 90s J-pop song, like the intro. Um, and then like, you know, you have like, uh, I, I don't want to say Bleach, but like definitely like bangers from like Code Geass, banger, you know, um, from uh, uh, Space Dandy, from death note like everybody knows oh, the fucking yeah. death note theme when it comes on tokyo ghouls theme right like tokyo hey, ghouls a good one like everybody fucking <laughs> like anybody if you've ever watched it you hear those first few notes from tk and you're like oh yeah shit but not only that uh anime had a huge and like huge influence on subculture and there's specifically two shows that i want to reference uh that had an influence on hip-hop subculture and that's samurai shampoo Right, mm. so Samurai Champloo for sure because Nuja Bass, who was who produced a lot of like the you know like hip hop influenced uh, songs on the Samurai Champloo soundtrack, uh, but not only that, and one that often falls off to the wayside, and this is a proper anime, even though it was uh, conceptualized and created in the West, is Afro Samurai. Yeah. That's absolute yeah. banger of a show afro samurai and not only that produced by rizza right so rizza of the wu-tang clan uh gets together they've got samuel l jackson involved in the project it was such a huge thing at the time for for afro samurai to even be created and yeah i feel like it fell to the wayside only because one there's not a lot of episodes, right? It tells a very short, succinct story that you can love and enjoy and, like, get to the end of and be like, wow, that was nice, right? And those are nice stories, Yeah, they honestly. are. They're great. Um, but, like, the hip-hop in that show, I think, is where you started seeing anime blend into hip-hop more. And, obviously, Wu-Tang Clan is very – Wu-Tang Clan, right? They're very influenced by the East, right? It always have been – like they're they they would always say straight out the slums of Shaolin, you know, like um so like of course that was how that came to be, but the the blending of hip hop and anime as two different subcultures I think is an amazing thing. And going back to yeah. our everything's a remix episode, of course they would blend together because they are they are constantly they are two different subcultures that are constantly remixing themselves, you know? Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I mean I was thinking when you mentioned, you know, obviously 
the, the music intros. And I was trying to think, you know, unfortunately, I can't remember a lot of like the older anime intros, but I think one of my favorite, I think one of my favorite anime outro songs mm-hmm. is is from JJK, the first half of the first season, and it's the Lost in Paradise song. Yep. And I know it's like, it's, it is a K-pop band. Yeah. And obviously they're, they're singing in English, but... I, for one, that song is great. And for two, if you try to look it up on Spotify or Apple Music, anything except for YouTube music, you're not going to find it. And yeah. the reason why is because the drummer might have been a P3DO. So oh, that's great. fun. Uh, he was either that or he wow. sexually assaulted somebody. That sucks. Um, yeah. yeah. And it turns out Song's if you get good. canceled in Japan, you get canceled hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or no, Korea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good song, though. Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, anime also contributed to uh, one other thing that I think is worth noting. It contributed to something that's become very popular recently, especially with Squid Game, and that's the Battle Royale mm. style show. That has existed for forever. When Squid Game became popular, I was like, oh, yeah, it's Battle Royale. Okay, cool. And people were like, what do you mean? Oh, yeah, it's Battle Royale. It's like, this has been around for like forever, guys. This is- yeah, should have been an anime. <laughs> yeah. Squid Game should have been an anime. I mean, it could have easily. It would have <laughs> been even more dramatic, but it would have reached less people. I think Squid, oh, Squid Game really does draw a lot from anime. And not mm. only that, around the same time, Netflix dropped, uh, st- or rather started streaming um, Alice in Borderland, which is a manga. Like, was already I... a manga. And then got Ooh. turned into this battle royale show. So maybe I should get Netflix back to watch that. Uh, if you want, I've, but I've heard it's pretty good. It's the live action one. It's very good, and it's very manga. It's very anime. So like, it's like mm. if you're looking for something that's more anime than Squid Game, definitely uh, Alice in Borderlands. Good. Um, but I've yeah. never seen Squid Game. It didn't interest me. It's good. I gotta be honest. It's just not my type of show. I get yeah. why people liked it, but for me, I. I struggle, and this is across the board, and this is, I mean, it's funny that I say Squid Game isn't my, my sh- the type of show for me, but, like, when there's a lot of characters to get attached to, yeah. but you know that by the time the show is over, there can only be, like, a couple of them left because of plot, it's kind of hard for me because I usually get attached to the characters that definitely are going to die, so. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I know I respect Squid Game for what it did and, and you know. Oh, Squid Game's amazing. All that. Um, yeah. I think that's everything, man. What's your jam this week? <laughs> that was your deep dive. You did a deep dive on anime without even realizing I d- it. That wasn't the intent, but as I started putting together the history so that it just made more... Like, really, like I kind of wanted to paint a better picture because I feel like a lot of people yeah. look at it and they see it as like a modern phenomenon, but it's been going mm. on for like over 100 years, you know? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It and is I crazy. would like to do... And I think and it's only good. Thought. It's only good things. Anime only has good stuff in the genre. If you're if you're getting into it, don't don't shy away from anything. Anime is amazing. It's absolutely fabulous. Like there's, there's nothing bad. bad nope, there's nothing bad at all in the genre. Just watch every show you possibly can. Um. So I was gonna say, <laughs> we definitely need to do. Now that we have the baseline for understanding anime, we definitely need to do another episode. And I know we mentioned about doing like a smaller one, but I think we need to allocate a full episode to just some of our favorites and why, because I mean, I let's feel do like it right now after we do this, let's, let's just, <laughs> let's do two this week. Fine. <laughs> That's fine. I've got my five. I've got battery. my, I'm, I know my top five. Do you know your top five? No, I'd, I'd want to actually like sit down and think and okay. get some, uh, get some more info. All right. I know my top five though. Okay. I got to, I'd have to really think about it because I 
am still, I would call myself still new to the anime scene. I have only been watching anime. Um, so my partner, Nate got me into anime. So, I mean, that already puts it down in less than seven years. Cause we've been together seven years next month. So okay. I would say I've probably only been like hardcore watching anime. Yeah for maybe four or five years, which is funny because even in those four or five years, my other really close friend, Mark, I got him more into anime through the anime that I started watching. So I'd really want to sit down and think, I've watched a lot in just five years. I've watched a lot of stuff from the 90s. I've watched stuff from the mid 2000s and now, but I'd really want to think because I've seen a lot of animes that like, I love Psycho Pass. I love JJK. I love Gundam. I love a Death Note. Like, so it'd be really hard for me to pick my top five because I've I'm still new to it. You know? I know my top five off the top of my head. <laughs> Number five yeah. is the only one that ever kind of shifts. And I don't have yeah. like a top 10 or top 20. Like I don't have like a hard top 10 or top 20. And I don't mind if they shift. Like if you would have asked me 10 years ago what my favorite five anime are, the answer would be totally different than what it was today. Yeah. You know? And I feel like, yeah. And it's the same top for anything. anything. I, f- I think your your favorite movies and books and shows, like, it's okay if they change over time. Your tastes change. Yeah. Yeah. I think my top three consistently stay the same. Maybe my top three will shuffle mm. within the top three. But I agree. When it comes to top five of anything, four place four and place five, those could go, yeah. go any minute. I you mean, know? yeah. My number one Samurai Champloo, I think, always. Forever. Like, until something else, like, really just blows me away and takes its place. It's that's it, you know. Mm, All right, what's your jam? I think, yeah. Um, okay, so I have been on a kick of obviously watching new movies in the theater, but because of that, I wanted to do uh, movies pre like nineteen. We'll say nineteen ninety eight. Okay, I've been watching movies pre nineteen ninety eight. So last night I watched the movie Airplane from nineteen eighty. Oh now, yeah, movie I know that movie obviously fantastic yeah um it, it's a it's a it's one of the best spoof movies out there um yeah it's so there are funny. some jokes it's like a really silly leslie nielsen spoof movie yeah and i will i will say look good movie but there are some stuff there is some stuff in oh you mean stuff from the 80s well. didn't age well I mean, it's still you mean kind of airplane, Ghostbusters, oh. Revenge of the Nerds didn't age well, Odie. There is a uh, a scene in Airplane where two people of two people are talking and they're talking in jive. Yep, and it's just it it just feels in poor taste you in the modern era. Hot Shots Part Do and <laughs> all of the National Lampoon's movies, apart from some of the Family Vacation ones, didn't age well. Yeah, yeah, it's no, from not the exactly. 80s. But look, if it's from airplane, the '80s, just remember it's from the '80s, and like, you could you could get away with some shit a little more back then. I think I would say yeah, so. Yeah, like there's definitely like I've said before, there's like a swaying of the cultural pendulum, and we'll we'll eventually like find a little bit of equilibrium somewhere again, and then we'll go too far one way or another. But yeah, but airplane's good. I yeah, I like the bits. Um, my favorite, I think my favorite, my two favorite bits from that one are. When the soldier is on the airplane, he's waving to his girlfriend. Yep. It's supposed to be like he's on a train saying goodbye. That one's really good. I like when the stewardess starts singing a song and she keeps knocking out the child's IV and like the kid is almost dying. So good. <laughs> Props to that kid actress for just like doing the weirdest faces ever. Yeah. Like she literally does like the pucker face. She's like, and it's just, ah, uh, there's just a, so like <laughs> when he's just sweating uncontrollably for landing. Yep. So many good bits. And it's just a fun 
just a fun brisk it's, it's absurd. hour and a half it's it's yeah it's very it's good. silly I, humor I, yeah, yeah, yeah it's again there are some points that i'm like that did not age well yeah but i mean there are movies from like 2012 that didn't age well let's be honest leslie nielsen had an amazing movie um that came out he has a great in career. like the late 90s called spy hard did you ever see that? Oh my god! Have you yes. seen that? It's like yeah. it's like his follow up to Naked Gun, it's but so like a good. little different. And Weird Al sings the the title track. Oh my god! So fucking perfect. Love I love that movie. Um, <sighs> love it. That's cool. What's your jam? Uh, my jam this week is obviously the Demon Slayer movie that I saw in theaters. But I mean, ultimately, mm. I'm I'm gonna throw down Natalie Carr's my jam this week. I can't believe that girl. She's ah. crushing it. Uh, She's gonna be in a festival with out. Noah Khan, Post Malone, yeah. Mount Joy, and I was like, dude, I want to almost fly out there and see her. I'm so happy she got on that. I voted for her to yeah. be on that festival. That's dope. Uh, yeah, she totally deserves Super it. Super happy. She's really for her. making strides this year. So big yeah. shout out to Natalie Carr. Everybody should listen to her Wonderful. all the time. She's Wonderful always a friend of the show. Yep, a friend of the show uh <laughs> i get we get to say that yeah right um no oh you know what oh uh, real quick um sorry speaking of friend of the show i meant to also put this in my jam yeah uh friend of the show aaron radcliffe from nomads nation okay. who uh the episode with him and i should be coming out uh when's that coming out soon i don't know next week no, i don't know you tell me um you're the, you're the one that upload and edit everything anyways you. um uh aaron just finished after 617 days he has designed and is producing his own backpack, Hooray! which we talk about um, in the podcast episode. But just wanted to put that out there. Like, Hell yeah. super happy for him. It's super fucking cool. That's awesome. So, yeah. Sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt no, the jam, that. but. Let's roll the uh, anime outro. <laughs> no 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 no! hold on the anime outro is still going it's very sad you gotta cry now you gotta cry this is remember because the, the the k-pop intro is all happy and stuff but now it's all we're we're in our feels because the episode's over oh my god <laughs> we're I'm so sad oh my god uh <laughs> if, all right roll the real outro <laughs> i love how i'm saying i love how i'm saying roll but it's me i'm i'm queuing up myself to do it in post yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> Because you do the editing. Kevin, hit it! <laughs> Future Kevin, this is for you. 